And while we have a through line that states authorial intent means dick. Right. I don't want to have to have the same haircut you have, Dad. Sorry, forgive me. Harriet motherfucking tub. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be crawling to something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know. JK, and, crawling and to something else. Uh, so was was this before or after the poster and you vomiting all over the couch? <laughs> For those of you that can't see, Ed's eyes just crossed. That is fucked up. <laughs> but it's not wrong. He's on assignment. He's hurtling toward the earth at 30,000 feet above uh, sea level currently. And uh, we're hoping that he touches down in Boca Raton. Uh, but I am here. I'm Damien Harmony. As you know, you can tell by the voice. Uh, unless this is your first time, in which case I'm still Damien Harmony. I am a Latin and drama teacher next year to be another history teacher again up here in Northern California. Uh, and the biggest update I have for you right now is that uh, as of this recording, we have probably come very close to or are about to hit our six-year anniversary of my pun tournament, Capital Punishment, uh, which has been going on since July of 2016. So I'm pretty proud of that. It's, it's nice. It's paid for Christmas for the last four years, uh, which is uh, the only thing that I, I kind of brag about it because... Other than that, it's it's just a lot of fun doing puns. So that's that's what I'm doing now. In order to uh, continue to bring you the stellar or uh, substellar com- content that we normally bring, um, I'd actually lined up an author friend of mine because we had such fun with the uh, the other ones. Uh, I lined up an author friend of mine to come talk, and so Ed is super kicking himself, uh, which is causing him to spin out. I can see it right now. Uh, he'll probably burst his eye on the way in to Boca Raton, but you know he's still going to get to a good place with chicken wings. But I have an author friend of mine uh, who has come to join us tonight. Uh, she has written a number of books, uh, which we're hopefully going to talk about tonight. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Teresa Halverson. How are you tonight? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. So uh, we normally start with just kind of what's going on in our world uh, so that people know that we're real people. Uh, anything cool, new, and exciting to report in, in your neck of the woods? Oh, cool and new. Well, I'm in Southern California, so, you know, we're on fire. So that's always oh, that's fun. Right. It's inferno season. It is. Yeah. 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 So. I saw, what, 200 acres burned up, and that was a total of 20 structures, one of which was a resort. Yes. And it was a real exercise for me in trying to still engage my humanity and caring about these really rich people's homes getting burned up. Like I, I got to admit, like the class warrior in me, like kind of overstepped the, uh, the compassion. It's like, oh no, 
they'll have to live closer to people like me now. You know, I have to admit, I did see something on a news site about like, here's how you can help the victims of the Orange County fire. And I'm like, um, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I could. Um, not, like, not, I, I mean, I feel bad. I, I, tr- I do. I feel bad. Sure, sure. Homes are destroyed, but That's, it's yeah. not a demographic that I would say we need to rescue. Reach. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and- I even, I'm going to quibble with homes are destroyed. Structures and houses were destroyed. How many of them were their permanent homes? Like, Oh, that I don't know. And it's funny because I'm Fair. usually against means testing, but I think going this way, it's okay. Like there's a part of me that's, that's kind of okay. Maybe it's the ancient historian in me. I don't know, but it is terrible. I mean, there's, there's really cool stuff that got burnt up and, yes. and nobody was hurt, thankfully, from everything that I've read. Yes. Um, but uh, but also the fire hasn't started because you said you're still on fire. What? Well, you said things are in f- on fire down there. Yes, things okay. are. Yeah, are burning. So is yeah. Is, I don't. Is that one out? I don't know if that one's I don't out. Know. Honestly, we. I. Don't I know. Sorry, I don't know. Um, That's okay. We had we had some because uh, where I I have my day job mm-hmm. um, is in Oceanside. It's kind of close to Orange County. Um, okay. So we had some smoke today, and we were like, "Oh, that's probably the Orange County fires." Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. I really sad to me how commonplace those things have become. Like, oh yeah, yeah. That's uh, this whole community is burning down. Yeah. Yeah. Oh look, so. the sun. The sun is a weird orange. Orange. Oh. Yeah. 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 I remember when like that would happen maybe once every couple of years. It was like back when I was doing temp jobs. So I'd be outside for my, my, my break. And I would notice like the sunlight that was hitting the concrete was just a little orangish. And I was like, oh, something's on fire somewhere. So that's weird. And it was weird. And now it's like, well, how many days are we going to lose to smoke now? Like, yeah, we, we have the equivalent of snow days uh, with smoke now. It's, it's, yeah. And you guys up in Sacramento had it mm-hmm. so much worse the last couple of years um, yeah. because of how Sacramento set, sits in that valley where the smoke right. just fills just, it. Exactly. Yeah. It, it, it looks like those experiments that kids did with dry ice. Um, you know, when you put the dry ice in a bowl and then pour some water over it and the whole thing just steeps oh, over. Yeah. 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 Looks like that from space. It's uh, It's awful. So, yeah. But on the upside, I've got an air filter now. So that'll... Hey, that's, you know, know, saves you from cancer. Sure. There you go. I'm, I'm a fan of being saved from cancer. I, we all are good. Yeah. So, although we don't get giant crabs up here very often, so that's that's more of a coastal thing. (laughs) Okay. That was, that was good. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) That was, that that was fast. I, you know, I, I, uh, I tore us through it and um... (laughs) it's like, do you, do you have like a pun show or something? I don't know. Matter of fact, I do. I do. Uh, coming should. up on six years now. I should. Absolutely. I had a coworker say today, because they were planning the next social event for, for where we work. Um, and she said, I said, oh, yeah. And after we do that, y'all could come to my pun show. And she's like, I went there. I remember. And I was like, good. What'd you think of it? And she's like, there were a lot of puns. I'm like, wow, that's, that's uh, diplomatic. <laughs> I mean, she's like, I'm surprised. I'm like, it's in the name. We capitalized the first three letters on purpose. Like the name itself is a pun. So, but anyway, enough about me, more about you. Uh, Teresa, you are a, not just a writer, you are an author. You are published author. I am. Um, I am. What are you up to five books now? Is that? Um, yes. Five books. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
because I know there's the the first one you did was a, a guide for uh, expecting uh, families, right? Yeah, yeah, and um, and edit this if, if it's not okay. Oh, it's um, fine. Okay, cool. Yeah, um, yeah, it was the um, dad's playbook to labor and birth, and your story was in it. It was, it was. Mm-hmm. If you turn to the back and find a guy named Snake or Cobra, Cobra that's Cobra. right, Cobra. Yeah. That was my pseudonym, my 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 nom de birth. Yeah. So it was, but yeah, that was, that was a fun little read. Um, not it just cause fun. I was in it, but like it, it, it certainly helped cause it was, it read very much like a how to, um, it read very much like a, uh, kind of a hitchhiker's guide. Don't panic mm-hmm. here. This it honestly, it read like go boil some water, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just to get you out of the room. So you'd like, wouldn't panic the women. Like you just go boil some water. That's what it read like. And it was, uh, I liked it. So I still get good. it for my, my guy friends whose, uh, whose partners are expecting. So that's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah. So, yeah, but no, I, I liked that book. I was in a, I mean, that was book came out in um, 2012. So it's 10 mm-hmm. years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wrote that when I was very, very much in the childbirth um, mm-hmm. scene, you know, and going to births and um, doing childbirth education and everything else. And then 2012, when the book came out, moved to Southern California and took on a totally different job and um, kind of stopped writing for several, several years. And then when I picked it back up again, it was, it was for fiction. So, yeah. And I I saw it like, that's the other four books that you've done. Mm -hmm. Um, Now in order was the collaborative one, the first one that you did? No, my first book was Warehouse Dreams. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah. So what's funny about Warehouse Dreams is that, so I'm going to backtrack by many, many, many years. Please do. Please do. Um, Always wanted to be a writer. I really think uh, most fiction writers start Mm -hmm. off as kind of daydreamers. They start off as as just that they like to read. They like to make up stories in their head. Um, Oftentimes, uh, the stories they make up in their head are set in in the worlds that they're reading with the same characters sure. and everything else, especially as children, it's, you know, it's early fanfic. Now, how, um, how old were you when you were uh, fanficking in your head? I can't remember not. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. Really and truly. Um, my first, I, my first written story mm-hmm. was about a um, princess whose planes, who, whose plane crashed and everyone died. Okay. She was a princess, so she didn't care. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, in the forest, she met a whole bunch of animals and she was able to talk to them and they were able to get her back to um, her castle. You Tarzaned so, it. You, yeah. You, you basically Tarzaned it. I like it. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, you know. And you don't, you don't remember how old you were for that one? No. Uh, oh, okay. I only ask because my, my daughter is super into writing too. Um, and she's a fourth grader now. And like I have to go out and buy her a new box because the box of journals that she writes her stories in has broken. There are so many journals in it. Oh, that's so awesome. Oh, it's rad. Um, and she like, I never, I never read them. I never go through them or anything like that. Cause that's hers. I, mm-hmm. I always say, whatever you want to share, I'm happy to read. But if you don't, I completely understand. So she, she feels very respected in those, right. I will ask her what she's writing about. And she's almost always writing about well, she is her father's daughter. She, she, her teacher last year, because uh, it was during the COVID times, emailed me and said, uh, you know, your daughter's uh, computer has been going to a lot of websites about breeding rabbits and sexing rabbits and determining if rabbits are boys or girls. 
and and all these kinds of things and i was like oh yeah that makes sense we just watched watership down she's writing a story oh yeah and so she learned all about warrens and the the politics that go into you know rabbits living in warrens and all so she she did a whole bunch of warren stories and, and rabbit stories and then she did uh, she loves writing about Thra, you know, the world that the Gelflings and the Skeksis oh, and yeah, the yeah. mystics live in. And she wrote, she's got tons of stories about that. She's, um, she anthropomorphizes cats all the time. She, like, she just is always, 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 always writing. And so I've opted her out of testing um, because I'm a teacher and I know better. Uh, so <laughs> she doesn't have to do these stupid tests. But I did tell her, I'm like, you don't get to disrupt anything. So what are you going to bring to school? And she's like, oh, I've got like four or five stories I'm working on. And I was like, I do not have to worry. <laughs> so Good for her. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So you you were, did you ever get like things in your report card? Like Teresa is uh, a very bright student, but her mind tends to wander and she gazes out the window for hours. No, okay. no, I no. Honestly, I didn't have that problem because okay. I just was able to stay focused in school. I was mm -hmm. one of those kids, you know, when you read aloud, yeah. I would read ahead. I did that too. Yeah. And then people uh, would think you weren't keeping up and you're like, uh, yeah, you're behind me, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then you're, you know, they, they'd call on you to read and you're like, hang on, let me flip back. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you? Yeah. <laughs> Where's yeah. the rest of you? So. No, but I figured out really, I figured out school real easy and, mm -hmm. you know, you just half pay attention and mm -hmm. the other half, you get to do what you want. Yeah. Yeah. So I daydreamed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you you uh, started daydreaming early on, like mm -hmm. you can't remember not, and you started writing and you can't remember not. Right. Um, see, because I remember the first pun I ever wrote. Uh, <laughs> okay, grade. what was it? In it first was, uh, grade. It was in first grade. We had these like fill in the talk bubble comics that we had to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, longtime listeners know this story already, but I don't mind indulging myself because uh, Ed's not here to stop me. Uh, but um, there was a bird talking to a wormhole. And then the next panel, the bird is talking to the wormhole. And then the next panel, the bird is still talking to the wormhole. And then the last panel, the worm has popped up and is wearing like a knight's helmet. And so the first one is just the bird talking. The second one is the bird responding to something coming out of the wormhole. And then there's a back and forth in the next one. And the third one, it's just the worm with the knight helmet talking. And so is worm, why don't you come out and play? Uh, no, you'll eat me. Uh, no, I won't. Uh, in fact, uh, you should come out and rescue your friends. Uh, and the worm, you know what? Yeah, it's like Worm War One out here. And then the worm pops up, wow. and it's yeah. <laughs> so, and then the worm pops up, and it's uh, where are they? I'll kill those Nazis, but I spelled them N O T S E Y E S. Um, I don't. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> that's it, awesome. As a first grader, you know, but I was yeah, already I, mean... I was already showing my Antifa leanings, uh, and. Uh, <laughs> And my inability to keep separate historical events in my head. So right. wrong German. Yeah. So, but yeah, but yeah. So I have, I have evidence, written evidence of punning. So, uh, but okay. So uh, as you grew into adulthood. As I, as I grew into adulthood, mm -hmm. I, you know, kind of kept on writing. Um, and some in high school, you kind of start falling in love with words. Um mm -hmm. 
with how like different words evoke different emotions. And even though they mean the same thing, they don't and yeah. symbolism and colors and names and places and dates and, you know, how all this stuff ties together. And at that point I was like, okay, this is cool. I really, I really want to do this. Mm -hmm. um, but it was interesting because I really kept it very private. Like if people asked what I wanted to do, I was like, oh, I want to be a vet or marine biologist. And then in my mind, mm -hmm. I'm like, but I secretly want to be a writer because it felt like, it felt like that wasn't a real career almost. And I, I don't know why I felt that way. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe it was too artistic. Maybe it didn't, it wasn't highbrow enough. You know, I was always the smart one, you know, the, the straight A students, you know, sure. maybe being the writer wasn't, it was too creative. Were you afraid um, of being told no? Possibly. Okay. Um, yeah, was, that was, what, was your family like a working class family, like hard, hard working to make sure that you had what you needed or um, to some degree. I mean, my okay. dad, was, my dad was a lawyer. My mom was a teacher. Um, you know, my dad was the first to go to college. Okay. Um, but, but I mean, but you've got that, that's some middle-class background stuff. Yeah. Like you, you don't normally think like, oh, I better hide the, the whimsy thing. No, middle-class family. But okay, my and my parents don't aren't gonna listen, so this is okay. My, uh, nobody my listens to this. It's fine. My parents don't listen. <laughs> you know, my Ed doesn't listen. Well, I hope Ed listens. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> um, my my dad has Asperger's. You know, now now sure. now I get it. Mm -hmm. I don't. My mom is definitely neurodivergent. I mm -hmm. don't know where that is, sure, um, sure. but they're very, very black and white people, very black and white people. Okay. There's a rigidity there. Yeah. And I probably interpreted, sure. you know, Teresa's so smart, Teresa's into science, Teresa's into math, as in, I can't be creative. I can't be a writer. And that's you have probably to, live up to that potential. Right. Exactly. Right. Um, and that's probably how I just interpreted it. Okay. Um, you know, people had expectations. Sure. Are you an only an oldest? I'm the oldest. Ah, there you go. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, and again, going deep, my mm -hmm. youngest brother born in the eighties with spina bifida and hydrocephalitis, okay. um, he's a paraplegic. And so our mm -hmm. entire family structure was around him, was around supporting him. Yeah, it was around absolutely. doctor's appointments and hospitals. And, um, you know, he's sick again, and I have to pull you out of school because we got to go back to the doctor again for right. him. So it was a lot of, um, it, and, and my parents weren't this way, but a lot of don't bother us. We're busy. Um, but th right. that's not how they meant it. Um, no, no. But that vibe concern, like you, you, you learn pretty quickly that like, look, there is a real existential threat over here mm -hmm. you know why why are you tardy too many times where i have to sign something what are you doing like right. we have real problems yeah yeah I, yeah i can exactly. totally get that yeah yeah, yeah. I, I was also an oldest but like i knew that i wanted to be a history teacher since fourth grade so which apparently is weird when i got to college i met people who still didn't know what they wanted to do and i thought that was weird but then i i did the math and looked around and i was the only one who had known for so long I was like, oh, I'm the one who's off. Okay. But like, so like <laughs> nobody ever was worried that I would blow my ride as it were, you know, that I would not mm -hmm. live up to my potential because mm -hmm. I'd already said like, already this said is it. what I'm doing. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to be a history teacher. Right. Everyone was like, are you oh. sure? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's, it's, oh, that's a solid profession. That's a growth industry. That's always going to exist, you know? So nobody had to worry about me, you know, as, as I think with artistic people, because I, I, I know a lot of comedians. Mm -hmm. 
it's not that their parents don't want them to do well. It's that their parents worry. Yes. You know, you know, and we're going way off on a tangent here, but I have, um, you have heard the show. I have, I have, <laughs> <laughs> have you heard, have you heard my podcast? <laughs> um, we go off on weird tangents. Yeah. And there's more uh, of you too. So yeah, there is. more tangents. Yeah. So. But, um, I have, um, a very good friend, her son, her son's um, my son's age and they, they mm -hmm. hung out together mm -hmm. and he is a drummer. Um, he, mm -hmm. and, and bands, his thing, he loves it, loves it, loves it. They are super supportive of him. He has a drum set in his room. They, they used to live close. I could hear him sometimes on, you know, quiet evenings, sure. um, super supportive. She was a band mom and everything else, but they were very rigid in that. That's cool. That's a fun hobby for you. You will become an engineer. You'll be an engineer who drums for fun. Exactly. Exactly. Right. right. So he um, uh, did the the uh, program. I can't remember the name of it, but the program where you can graduate high school with your associate's degree. They pushed. They pushed. They pushed. They pushed. He failed that test. Did not get his associate's degree. Oh. He went to um, he went to a good college, but sure. not necessarily the you know the college that they were hoping for him to go to. Not, not the brag worthy one, but the one that exactly. would be just fine. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, COVID happened. Um, he came back home again, um, tried to do the, um, the, uh, the distance learning did mm -hmm. not work. And he, he finally had a full breakdown and he finally said, I don't want to be an engineer. Wow. You forced me into this. I don't want to do this. I want to drum. That's what I want to do. I want to be a drummer. Um, and it took them a lot to listen to him. Um, but they finally were like, okay, it's your okay. life. Um, but it would have been that, nice to get there before that. But exactly. I, again, exactly. I understand parental worry too. Of sure, like, yeah. sure. You know, and if he is a, a a teacher of drumming and you know drums on the side and and everything else, he's not. It's a lifestyle change. Um, mm -hmm. He may not be. He not. He may not be able to buy a house and you know have that right. financial support that you know parents. It. it we parents absolutely worry. want them. For we our worry. Kids. Yeah. Yeah. And not even selfishly, like, don't come back. Like I, I finally budgeted for just two, but more like, like we want you to go out into the world and, and like have a stable life. Exactly. Happy yeah. comes next, but stable. Like, yeah, stable. I, I fully understand that. I, I get that. So, okay. So you, you, I'm not going to say you hid your love away because that's Beatles and I don't want to get sued. Um, But although I don't know who owns the rights to those songs anymore. I you I don't know who, but you cannot use them. I know that much. Yeah, yeah. Because I worked uh, with an author that tried to, and I was like, no, no, I did research on this. You can't. Mm -mm. Wow. Oh, that's yeah. a bummer. Yeah, it was. Because oh. it was really perfect and just this beautiful scene with a couple of lyrics. And I'm like, uh -huh. mm -mm. nope, don't even do it. Don't oh, do dang. it. dang. That's, well, that's sad. But anyway, so you you hid your uh, your your desires to be a writer away. Um, did you, you, you admitted to them to yourself though? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Okay. So oh, you, yeah. you were living in kind of parallel worlds. Very, very much like so. You cocooned that and carried it through like the I yolk did. and the egg. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And so then you got to college. Got uh, to college. Did you have classes or teachers in high school that, that recognized that? Or did you keep that from all of them? No, I pretty much kept that. Wow. Yeah. I did have, um, I did have a couple friends that knew, um, okay. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, but I, and it's also, 
it's hard to like share, especially early on. It's really sure. hard to share your writing with others because you're like, it still really sucks. Right. And yeah, and you're worried about being judged. Yeah, um, it's, it's a very vulnerable thing too. Mm-hmm. Here's oh, this very, thing very that much I've so. Made. Yeah. Yeah. And and please read it and tell me that you love it, which right. is not realistic. <laughs> right. And I There's want you always... to love it for itself, not because you want me, because I want right. you to love it. Like, yeah. which, wow, it's triggering all kinds of codependent stuff in me. Right. Uh, but, right. Okay. So you get to college. Get to college. Kept yep. your secret safe. Kept my secret safe. I started to take some creative writing classes there. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Now, was um, that always the plan? Like once I get to college, I can, I can unfurl this or did you feel like you still had to keep it? I think I still kind of kept the best. it. Yeah. Okay. I still kind of kept it close to the best. Okay. Um, started kind of, and I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to write a novel. Um, I wrote a novel in, yeah, I wrote a novel in college and kind of the first uh, year of the boy's life. Mm-hmm. And then I started to try to shop it around having no freaking clue what I was doing. Okay. Um, and that was when you would shop it around to agents, you would mail it to them. Right. Um, and then you'd include your self-addressed staff envelope to get your rejection. Um, it was always fun. Oh, uh, <laughs> and of course didn't really go anywhere because now I would say that that book was terrible. Um, but I didn't know any better. I didn't know sure. that I needed to like get some beta readers and other people to like, be like, so you got some developmental problems with this story. Um, oh, wow. okay. so I kind of was like, Oh, okay. That was nice. I tried that. Then I did the, the first iteration of warehouse dreams, um, worked on that for a while and wasn't, you know, I just, wasn't really getting anywhere. I was really stuck on the ending of that book. I mm-hmm. kept rewriting it and rewriting it and rewriting it and rewriting it. And then I got into um, doing uh, internet content. Um, back in the day when Google had less control over SEO, um, search engine optimization, uh-huh. and you would be like, how do I paint a wall? And you'd have all these weird random articles um, written by people who had no idea how to paint a wall. They just had Googled it themselves and regurgitating the information because you could get 10 or $15 an article for writing 500 words. Um, Yeah, I did. I did that for um, a good year. Um, Okay. So like a a knockoff version of Chilton's online. Yes. So, okay. But you were getting paid to write. I was getting paid to write. It was, it was nonfiction. And then that took me into, and at the same time I was doing childbirth education and um, doing the doula stuff. Mm -hmm. And then that took me into becoming a quote unquote expert. And I was on Mm -hmm. babies and childbirth education and um, pregnancy. And I started doing Mm -hmm. a lot more um, internet stuff for that and getting paid even more for that. And then I decided to um, write the dad's playbook to labor and birth. Okay. So now I, yeah. let me, let me back you up just a little bit there. Mm-hmm. So did you find that as you were finding success, material success, mm-hmm. doing a thing that is writing, did you find that that was stealing your drive toward the novel stuff? No, I still okay. had that. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Not Yeah. No, I still had that. I just knew that the novel was going to be much harder. That was much harder to write. And I find that that's true in general. Nonfiction, Mm -hmm. easy to write. Fiction, very, very difficult because you're layering in so many different things to it. Sure, sure. Yeah, again, you know, I'm historian here. Like I 
maybe I had a friend tell me once he's an English teacher. So you, you'll see the grain of salt that comes with it. Um, he said, uh, why don't you like poetry? Cause I famously can't stand poetry. I don't like there, there are, I think four poems that I've ever enjoyed. Mm -hmm. uh, two of them are by Langston Hughes. One of them because of its historical context. One of them, because I'm a sucker for parallel structure. Uh, one was by a friend of mine who it was called might as well be speaking Portuguese. And it's his entire internal monologue. When the girl he has a crush on comes up to him and asks him if she can borrow his homework to copy it. And he goes through all the ways that he could talk to her and all the things that he could say. And at the end of it, she just walks away to her friend. They're like, did you get the homework? He's like, no, he just kind of stood there staring at me. You're like, that's the story. It is, this <laughs> that's is awesome. Yeah, it's, it's a snow globe of a story, you know? And then the, the fourth poem, I, I forget um, which one it was. So there's really only three that I remember. My friend said, why don't you like poetry? I'm like, I don't know. I just, it doesn't vibe with me. I'm, I assume the problem is with me because the world has gotten by on poetry since writing was a thing. So mm -hmm. it's clearly me. Um, and then uh, I was going on and on about this, this essay that I'd read by Adlai Stevenson on women's education in the 50s and how clever it was and how he was turning things on their side and he was advocating for women's education because it was the 1950s. Uh, but at the same time, how he's still inhabiting this other, you know, kind of chauvinistic worldview and stuff like that. And, and he's like, you'll talk like that about, about essays, but not about poems. And I was like, well, yeah, because they're essays. They're great. And he says, a poem is just an essay without all the blanks filled in. Oh. I was like, well, that explains why I don't like it. I love yeah. essays, you know. And so same thing with fiction very often. Like I'm a lazy reader in a lot mm -hmm. of ways, like the, the books that I mm -hmm. like to read mm -hmm. are Star Wars books. Yeah. I already know the world. Yeah. And, and otherwise I like to read history books because I also live in that world. Like, but to read a fiction book, I mean, I have to invest in learning the world first and then the characters. And that's, that's a lot of effort for, for my tired brain. It is. But, yeah. But so it's interesting why, that it's so hard yeah. to do. It is, it is hard. But I was going to say, but that's why series sell so well. Um, that's mm. why, you know, you see in like, like television shows, you're like, why are right. you on the 15th book? Right. And, and, you know, like you read it and you're like, this book was not fair. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Supernatural. <laughs> man. I'm still going through it for the first time, actually. I'm, I'm really? in season 11. Yeah. I didn't start listening or watching it. <laughs> Read, listen, watch that watch, part. Yeah. I didn't start watching it until Ed, uh, we had an episode of um, how it should have ended. And he made a very oh. passionate case that it should have ended after the fifth season before you get to the Leviathan. Okay. So yeah, actually I have something to say about that. Good. Good. They actually want the author that the authors, the writers, that was, it was supposed to end at the fifth season. It's an obvious arc. Yeah. It, yeah. That was, they designed it that way. And they had said they did not want Sam and Dean to be old, you know, still like, you know, chasing demons and right. you know everything else. They wanted it to end, but that fifth season, that's when it took off. Right. Cause after that, they started actually getting licensed to music too. Yes. Prior yes. That, the license Eric to music Rock. was huge. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because I mean, there, there are entire episodes where, you know, he's he's teasing him using a very known song, you know, Night mm -hmm. Moves and stuff like that. So, yeah, but 
Yeah. The, the other thing that happened when they took off, because I, I, I like um, Supernatural and I like mm-hmm. Misha, Misha and Jared and um, Jensen and all of them. Mm-hmm. The other thing that happened is that they started to make the convention circuit more and more and more and more. Mm. Those guys are hilarious. Yeah, they clearly love talking to folks. They do. Yeah. Um, and that that did that that made people be like, I want to watch the show because of you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the other reason it took off was yeah. and that's just great marketing right there. It really is. Um, you know, I could see why they wanted to get to a fifth season because that's the magic number for syndication rights. Usually. Right. Uh, and then, so, I mean, good job on the writers of being like, well, we want it to be five seasons because, you know, we'll get passive income. Uh, but then, yeah, I mean, it lasts literally triple that time. I think it goes it to does. seasons. And it gets, and, and I love Supernatural. Uh-huh. It gets ridiculous. It doesn't. Oh my God. Yes. Okay. I, apparently, but that's okay. Yeah. Just... I, the whole premise is fairly ridiculous. But, <laughs> yes. uh, but yeah, I mean, there's, I, there's certainly, so in wrestling, there's a thing called the let me up match. So you, you will have in a, on a wrestling card, anywhere from six to eight matches. And very often to get the audience involved um, in, in invested, you have to do more than just have a title be at stake. Like, so you have actual feuds, you know, where this is the, the, the culminating, They've been ducking each other. One of them's almost won like three times, depending, you know, on and on and on. And it will be this like explosive catalytic, um, or not catalytic, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, c- catastrophic mm. um, uh, ending of, of a match. And the audience is just spent. Well, you can't go from that to the next match on the card being the championship match because they're exhausted and they won't yeah. be involved. So you do what's called a let me up match. You do uh, in in the past, you did women's wrestling for that, mm-hmm. or you did what they called midget wrestling. It's little people wrestling. Yeah. Um. Uh. You you did those things, or you would do some sort of goofy gimmicky match or something like that a let me up, and let me up can sometimes just be a two minute squash match where just a guy comes in and beats him. Um. But then you you've reset the audience, and now they can go. And I really like let me up episodes in tv series deep space mm-hmm. nine i think did this masterfully yes i know yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yep the one where they did the heist you know yeah um well, right after it, dealing with nog's ptsd from losing his leg like well whoa. and next gen did that did great jobs of that too with the holodeck of just yeah. ridiculousness well and actually i mean the original star trek did that too yeah yeah you're absolutely right although i don't know if they were self-conscious about it Probably not. Yeah, I mean, if you if you heard how Gene Roddenberry wrote, that's like it was literally like they were like, "Dude, we need the script. You, all, everybody's here. Yeah. Finish the script." Yeah, he's like, "Well, I'm I'm busy banging this this extra." <laughs> right. So, we did. Uh, we did. Well, uh, while his wife was on sets. Yes. Oh yeah, we yeah. did a, a three parter on Gene Roddenberry and how oh. it was uh, u- utopian uh, penis fulfillment, basically, and that was <laughs> it's. <laughs> It's a lot of fun. So um, turns out it's because he didn't like baptism. Uh, like, he was Southern Baptist and and gotcha. he didn't like that God got more say in things than he did. I mean, it really was back to his ego the whole way. It was, it's yeah. wild. But okay, so uh, yeah, I liked the let me up matches that they would do in uh, Supernatural so far. And again, I'm only in season 11. So We'll probably end up doing an episode of Damien finally finished Supernatural. Oh, there you go. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll listen to that one. Yeah, good. 
Uh, okay, so uh, back to what you do. Um, so you you knew that fiction would be harder to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and was it just you felt like there is a a place for this book, the 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 dad's guide, um, or was it uh, just I. I need to make money or wanted to get your name out there too. No, it was, I need to make money and I think I can make this work. Although I will say, Mm -hmm. and you know, again, knowing what I know now, I'm absolutely embarrassed. I um, was like, Hey, I should write this book. And then I went Mm -hmm. and did research um, on like uh, publishing houses that would be interested in it. Mm -hmm. And I found one and then they were like, okay, here's how to submit to us, do a book proposal. And I did a book proposal and I wrote the book. And then I was like, great, that was fun. Um, without knowing how big of a deal that was, because to me, that was easy. Mm. Now I know how freaking hard that is. And Um, can you expand on that a bit? Like, what do you mean? I wrote the, I just, wrote the book mm-hmm. and kind of said, Hey guys, I have a book. This is really cool. And, um, I didn't do any marketing or anything else around the books. It sold over 10,000 copies at this point. Um, I know I really didn't do any marketing. I really didn't do any promotions of it. I just was kind of like, cool. I did this. This was awesome and amazing. Um, and that's not how that's not how it works anymore. Um, oh. Book sales are so incredibly driven by the author, not mm-hmm. the publisher. And oh. I think the fact that it's sold as well as it did really is due to just that really cute cover that it had um, of the, the little, little boy baby with the, with the, with the uh, football, the football uh, hat on it. Yeah. yeah. It um, is cute. Because again, it was easy. Mm-hmm. Um. And I didn't realize it was, it, it was hard for most people. Um, okay. Yeah. I can, I can understand that. Like that, you know, the things where you're like, wait, that's, that's a difficulty. Like, yeah, that was hard. Yeah. yeah I, I did yeah. that easily. Right. Um, How long did it take you to write that one? Um, uh, I had two years to write. Well, no, no. My deadline was I had nine months to write that. So I took the nine <laughs> months. Did they right? do that on purpose? No, like, I'm sure not. No, okay. I'm sure that was just it's, their production schedule. That's, that's, well, it's most people's reproduction schedule. So, right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. That's awesome. The other thing that happened when um, the dad's playbook came out was that we moved to Southern California Mm -hmm. and I took on, I um, started working for a community clinic. I took on a leadership position that don't Mm -hmm. tell anyone I was not qualified for in any semblance of the world. Oh, so Um, you did what men do. Yeah. Nice. I, I bullshitted through the yeah. interview. Yeah, yeah, we we regularly apply for jobs we're not qualified for. Yeah, so. yeah. It's just what um, we do. I was shocked they gave it to me and that my first year was so phenomenally rough because I had no idea what I was doing whatsoever. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, because it was so, and the community clinic model is also a very stressful and challenging environment anyways. I bet. Um, and I was with, I was in women's health. Um, yeah, it was, it was, very, it was just very, very difficult and very, very stressful. So I didn't write at all. Okay. Um, and at that time, you know, looking back, I'm like, duh, you idiots. My anxiety and depression went through the roof. Sure. Um, you know, I, um, I had health issues related to it, but I was like, it's work, it's work, it's work, it's work. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a very stressful environment. Um, 
I left that job, went to a different job that I, oddly enough, I thought would be less stressful and mm -hmm. the depression and anxiety kept following me. It was so bizarre. <laughs> um, and then I was like, oh no, this is the job. Um, changed jobs again. Mm -hmm. Depression and anxiety kept getting worse. And again, I was still in leadership and, and leadership is very difficult. Sure. Um, especially if you're in doing healthcare. it well. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's stressful and hard and yeah. But anyways, um, it got to the point where I had, I had a full breakdown. I had a full wow. and absolute breakdown and this absolutely changed my life to where the people, you know, I was, I was like, I have to quit. I can't do this anymore. Sure. Um, and people were like, okay, what do you want to do? And this is, this was the only word that just kept coming was I want to write. Um, and I've never had anything feel so sure in my entire life was that every part of my being was like, I want to write. Wow. Um, it, it was, I mean, absolutely incredible. And it was a horrible time. I never, ever want to go through that, that feeling of that anxiety and that depression ever, ever again, I bet, yeah. but it was absolutely life-changing because I said, okay, I'm going to make this happen. Gotcha. So, and then, yeah. okay. So, so I, I, there's a couple different ways I, I want to go with this. I, I historian, so I love the chronology. Uh, <laughs> I love the chronicle of it. Um, so let's, let's plow forward that way. And I'll just do a little side, side mm -hmm. missions here. So, okay. You, <laughs> you come to that moment and mm -hmm. you've kind of already gone through the process of submitting a book mm -hmm. previously, and you've gone through the process of, of submitting a book and being successful at it previously. Mm -hmm. Are you able to port that over? To yeah if it's nice okay well not in some ways yes so okay. it, being having been published in nonfiction and then trying to switch over to fiction mm -hmm. it helps a little bit with your queries but not sure. not hugely um okay. more that you've just kind of had the experience and you understand how the editing process is going to go the publication process um and that's you know, to me, I thought this was going to be pretty easy. Sure. <laughs> Turned out that to be. Okay. Okay. So, uh, how many we've, we've interviewed Bishop O'Connell on, on our show. Um, mm -hmm. and I don't know if you've, uh, read his stuff, but, uh, he, it's, it's American fairy tale stuff. Essentially. Oh, yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, Writing that down too. Yeah. Uh, but, um, he, uh, he, the, the first book I think of his trilogy was called the lost. Nice. Um, but I have problems with chronology sometimes. Uh, but he actually just came out with a, a book just this couple weeks ago called uh, The Two-Gun Witch. And so oh. it's, a, it's a Western. Yeah. That sounds um, like fun. Yeah. So, but he, his, his experience was decidedly different than most normal people's and he fully admits it and stuff like that. But uh, it did come to question um, how many um, different houses did you try to get your stuff published through or mm -hmm. did you because some people like they'll take a completed work and then shop it around um you know that's how and, and... that's how you're you have to do it with fiction okay so fiction fiction right now is um of there's a lot of different paths that you can take okay um if you want to get your book traditionally published and uh -huh. into the big four. So the big four publishers, uh -huh. you need an agent. So your first round of queries is trying to get an agent. Um, gotcha. And that can take 
years. Then the agent will try to get you in with an editor at one of those big publishing houses. Okay. Then the editor will decide from there, will try to edit your work, work with you on that. Mm-hmm. And then de- depending on that may try to get you a book deal. So See, this, this all makes perfect sense to me. Like just, I'm actually able to visualize it. Mm-hmm. You know, it almost feels like a talent tree in old role playing games. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So that all makes sense. Your chances of even getting an agent are mm-hmm. infinitesimal. Honestly, mm-hmm. agents get thousands of queries every week. So, and you can only read so many books. You can only read so many. Yeah. yeah. You can only read so many. So they've got, they've got readers going through the slush pile. Um, wow. Just trying to trying to find kind of those those diamonds, right. um, something and then, that speaks out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. So that part is really hard. So to answer, mm-hmm. so so you can go that route. Sure. You can also query um, a small press um, and um, roll the dice with them. Um, mm-hmm. Small presses, pros and cons. Um, with small presses, you often get a little bit more control over what's going to happen to the book, you know, more control over the editing process, the covers and everything else. But publishing is a, um, very, very thin line business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and small presses will often close at the drop of a hat. Oh, okay. So it works on the margin. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. Huge, huge tip. Make sure if you get a contract with anybody out there, any writers that are listening, um, make sure that if the publishing house closes, you get your rights back because a lot of times Mm -hmm. the books are gone. They're gone. The publishing house has closed. Uh They've taken the book with them and it's gone. You cannot, you cannot republish it. Do they, I mean, do they sell the rights off to offset costs or it just often not? They're just, they just disappear. Vaporize. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yep. And there's nothing that just says in the event of this reverts back, like legally, you, that doesn't happen. You have to put it in the contract. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Important so, safety tip. Thanks, Eva. Yeah. Eva. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. So, okay. So you, you, did you get into one of the big four? Oh, God, no. Oh, okay. No, no, but I did. No, no, mm-hmm. but thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. Sure. Um, no, I didn't. So I queried, I, I queried a couple agents, but honestly, mm-hmm. the... The idea of the agent really didn't speak too much to me. Um, and I, I wanted to get this done. I, I wanted to get my books out there. Right. So um, I queried um, small presses um, mm-hmm. and I ended up getting two um, almost immediately. So I was like, oh, dang, my book's good. Um, went with SNH Publishing. Um, they, they were great. Um, mm-hmm. And then they closed their doors. Because they reverted back to CNH Sugar. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, you yeah. got it. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. That's why um, they were slow as molasses. Right. Yeah. Actually, yeah. they weren't. They were fast. But um, oh. but it was basically and I had good talks with the owner, but she was like, I just she's she just was like, I just don't want to do this anymore. Um, and I'm a like, valid reason to quit. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Um, so I got my rights back. Um good. and then I was like. And this is still oh, for warehouse dreams, right? Still for warehouse dreams. Okay. And then I was like, crap, I don't want to requery again. <laughs> Querying, it's the most stress. It's so stressful because okay. you have to do all this research. You have to query the way that the person wants you to. And that may mean like 
please give us two pages of the work of not right. more than 1000 words. Please include a three page synopsis mm -hmm. um, and a teaser of what the book is. And then the next person's like, please include a one page synopsis and the first 50 pages. Um, please make it out. Please do your research and make it out to the agent or editor or whatever. Right. Would be most likely to rep your work. And then you're like, I don't know. Right. So right. It's, it's terrible. And then every time you get an email, every mm -hmm. time you get an email when you're querying, you're like, <gasps> I'm scared uh, to look. Yeah. Every time it's, oh. it's yeah. So I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to requery this again. So my friend, um, S Fax and Sarah, mm -hmm. she, um, she'd been playing around with the idea of doing an imprint. So self-publishing. And I said, mm -hmm. can I jump onto that with you? And so we created No Bad mm -hmm. Books Press, um, published Warehouse Dreams on there, uh -huh. published um, River City Widows on mm -hmm. there, which is, was my second book. Mm -hmm. um, she and I co-wrote um, Lost Aboard. I couldn't think of the name. Oh. Lost Aboard, which is <laughs> right. a creative nonfiction um, piece um, about the ghosts that are aboard Star of India. We've done an anthology released. Sarah has her own books, Animal Court, Foreign and Domestic Affairs, Origins, and Tiny Dreadfuls. So, and and we've now taken on um, another author too. We've got the Gulch Jumpers. And in a month, we'll have 4.5 billion people. So, and we've done this in a year and a half. Wow. That's now that's clearly aberrant or aberrant to the normal process of I never got my stuff published. Right. Uh, exactly. And it's also aberrant to I I won a contest and I am now a published author with a major house. Yes. Be um, careful with those. Yeah. Be careful with yeah. those contests because sometimes they're not real. Mm, okay. Yeah. Also, also pro tip, they're not saying that contests where you have to put in money are fake. A lot of times they're not. Right. Just do your research on them because sure. a lot of times they are. Yeah. It's an easy, easy way to get your money. Yeah. Um, yes. It's kind of like world world series of comedy type stuff. I, I kid, but it, like the, the comedy festivals, you always have to apply and it's always money. And then you get rejected uh, unless you have, uh, you know, the cachet in some way, or, you know, someone, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's yeah. Okay. So, uh, so you, you made that happen. So let me, hmm. What, so side, side quest here. Um, your work is described many times as speculative fiction. Yes. So again, guy who knows nothing. This is why Ed loves telling me about Heinlein and um, he seems to stick to H authors. And I just occurred to me that you're another H author. Oh, kind of thing. But yeah, he did. Go. He taught me about Robert, Robert Heinlein. And then the guy who did Dune, um, which I don't remember. It's not H.L. I can't Mankin. remember either. Uh, but, um, but anyway, like uh, all these, he's, he's going to be kicking me uh, through the void. <laughs> but um, so, so what is speculative fiction? So I don't know what these things mean. So spec fiction is basically mm -hmm. asking what if. So what Ooh, if okay. tomorrow you woke up and there were zombies? What if um, an so asteroid? So not, not counterfactual history. Mm -mm. Okay. Oh, okay. it can be. Um, well, you mean like parallel universe? Like history went off in a different direction? The standard one is what if Hitler would have won? 
Yeah. Um, that, no. that can be spec fiction. Oh, it can be. Okay. Um, yeah. So spec fiction is um, horror, sci-fi, mm-hmm. fantasy, and all of the sub, all of the sub genres in there. But um, set in our world or? No, doesn't have oh. to be. Yeah. And how is that different than fiction then? It is fiction. It's spe- spec fiction, speculative fiction. It's I'm just breaking a, here. <laughs> Go it's on. A, it's, it's a subgenre of uh-huh. fiction. So sure. it's it's basically it's not it's not women's fiction. It's not primarily romance, though spec fiction tends to have a romance element to it. It's just developed sure. that way. Um, it's not contemporary, um, and it's not literary. I don't know what. So literary what's that fi- distinction. Literary fiction is going to be like what you read in English classes. Ethan Frome. Do you guys still read Ethan Frome? You're talking to a guy who, oh, okay. I, I, fun <laughs> fact, I, when we moved to Florida uh, in, in fifth grade, uh, I was given a reader and I said, oh, that's my second grade reader. Can I get uh, the, you know, I was at this level. Can I get the next one? They said, that's your fifth grade reader. So the answer was clearly no. Wow. Yeah. Now this is, the town was 804 people, 800 when we left. Um, they, but they, they. <laughs> They did have two different cemeteries because oh. they didn't want black people and white people rotting together. Yeah, no, we can't have that. No, like you do. No. Uh, but um, that killed my desire to read for from from eleven until nineteen. I can totally see that. Yeah, and then and this is the 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 thing that I tell my my students, the thing I tell my children is do not get by on being smart because that's exactly what I did. It turns out that, you know, you don't have to have read Phantom of the Opera to know what's going to happen. You don't have to have actually read. So in my entire, from 11 to 19, I read maybe 10 books. Wow. That was it. Still had no problem writing essays on them and, and, you know, doing all the rhetorical flourishes to, to make you think that I knew what I was talking about. Still was able to take place or take part in most conversations. Um, now, the ones I did read were because I had teachers who whooped my ass, uh, figuratively. Good for them. Good yeah. for them. Yeah. Beth Furstenthal, she is uh, amongst the ones. Uh, actually, I'm friends with her on Facebook, too. Um, now, I I am both grateful to her and still mad at her that I had to read The Great Gatsby. Um, yeah, yeah, that's not one of my favorites. And I've tried it a couple yeah. of times, and I'm like, I don't get why people love this book. Uh, from what I remember, it was really well-written stuff about terrible people. Yeah, that's um that's literary fiction. Okay, and and what makes it literary fiction is just it stood the test of time. No, or... it's a it's the Canonized? style of writing. Um, oh, it's, so it's a style thing. Okay. Yeah, base. It's not. It's it's a style of writing, and it tends to take itself very very seriously. Um, oh, it's more okay. flourished. It's more artistic. Um, it's not. It's not horror. It's to me, it's not fun. You know, I, I want horror. <laughs> I want, I want aliens. I want ghosts. I want, um, I want, you know, a vamp- well, I don't, I don't read vampire fiction, but you know, vampires, sure. Sure. um, you know, you want the kick butt girl that, um, you know, is casting spells and, sure. you know, there's fairies running around Chicago and that type of thing that yeah. I want, I want that. That's not literary. I don't know what makes it not literary, <laughs> but again, I'm, I'm also a guy who didn't read anything literary. So yeah. it, it's entirely likely I just missed it all. 
Um, but okay, so speculative fiction is is largely just asking what if starts mm-hmm. with a what if. Okay. Yep. Um, so um, and I never want to ask uh, authors to give away their stories in terms of like plot and things like that. But it it feels like based on um, what I've read from Warehouse Dreams, and I have not gotten all the way through it. Forgive me. Um, I appreciate you even reading it. Thank I you. Tried, but I felt too much like I was. I'm I'm a teacher and I'm in a union yeah. and I was like yeah. oh shit it, it's like when people said you should watch Parenthood I'm like no the hell I shouldn't I <laughs> yeah no. I, I but can, one of the I, kids has autism I know I don't care <laughs> like that's why I'm not gonna watch it I live yeah. this you know so it's cool that it's kind of got an X-Men vibe to it mm-hmm. there's you know there's there's that kind of thing it uh the fact that I I also think I'm still tripping over the the title um just the idea that it's all in warehouses feels a little too close to home. Uh, so, I know. Uh, but is the fact that it's about teachers struggling with their jobs uh, and it mirrors our reality so much, is that what yeah. makes it dystopian? Um, no, what makes it dystopian is uh, the whole breads versus wilds thing. So okay. we, we live in a dystopian society. Okay, so the answer is yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, it's funny because my drama class this year, uh, I, in order to keep them safe, I, I switched things around. So it kind of became a film appreciation class and none of them appreciate film. Um, no, but I let them pick their genre every week, but I took them through, here's what a genre is. And here's this and this and this. And so when we did sci-fi, we talked about, um, dystopian, uh, Mm -hmm. sci-fi. And so then some of them really liked the idea of dystopian stuff. So I found them movies that were dystopian, you know? Yeah. No, and that's that's good. And a lot of people, because um, because of Hunger Games, mm-hmm. and Hunger Games is described as a dystopian, and it absolutely is. Right. Yes. A lot of people think dystopian is post-apocalyptic, and it's not. Right. Dystopian is a society where one group is held above another, um, which is Human why I say- dignity is crushed beneath the boot of whoever yeah. in charge. Yeah. yeah. Which we live in a dystopian society. Let's mm-hmm. We completely do. Yeah. So I, sorry to step on your punchline there. Uh, but, um, yeah, I, I, I fully agree, uh, with that. Whereas post-apocalyptic is shit fell apart. Yes. And we're and, trying to rebuild it together. Right. And, uh, and dystopia may be a part of that. Sure. Sure. Or there's also utopian where it's usually, it's the same boot, but it's painted nicely. <laughs> yeah. So I don't... again, I get most of mine from movies. So I, you know, yeah. I can't speak to the, to the books, but yeah. Okay. I don't think humans can be utopian. Uh, the only ones that have were the ones that said, oh, and also you shouldn't breed. Uh, which means like after a generation, they're wiped out anyway. Yeah, uh, so but they not, made not really successful. Cool crafts. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. they got really cool craft work. Uh, although I would say that maybe they're onto something because I, I have uh, often said that uh, the, the number one thing to ruin families is children. So. <laughs> it's fair fair comments we we spoke of jessica jones i don't know if it was on air or off air but um i even i I read some of the reviews and somebody said if you like jessica jones you'll like this book Uh do you were they pinging off of things that are uh themes that are through the novel or are they it it, also is it a novel but um it is okay cool are they pinging off things that are through the novel or just the supernatural aspect of it um they're pinging off of um that Jessica and Kendall um, are both very, very flawed characters. Um, okay. They, you know, curse, curse up a storm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
with Jessica Jones, because we are observers of her, mm-hmm. um, because it's a TV show, well, a comic, but a TV show, and either yeah. way, we're observers of her. Yes. That is harder for that character to lie to the viewer about what's going on. Yeah, Kendall's an it. Yeah, Kendall's an addict, but because mm-hmm. it's in first person, mm-hmm. and she's not going to admit that, it's harder to see that. Gotcha. Um, she views herself as a hero. So mm-hmm. like a lot of her dumbass decisions are based on, I'm a hero. I must save everybody. Um, I must work myself to exhaustion. I must um, stand up to, to, um, to society. And that's a flawed view of, of her world. Um, gotcha. Uh, you know, her, her view of Steven, um, you know, the, the poor, the poor man um, really does just want to help. Um, and she's just like, no, get the fuck out of here. What, the, right. what are you doing? Okay. Um, so, you know, from that perspective, she is like, she's just very flawed, like Jessica Jones is. Okay. Did you have fun writing this? Cause I, mean, I that's, did. That's, okay, good. What, what did. was, what was fun about it? Cause clearly that's not you that you're writing? No, no. Um, I did. So what was interesting was mm-hmm. that um, I did at the time when I was writing it, I was still really in recovery from anxiety and depression. And so I uh, funneled a ton of that into sure. Kendall, a that ton of it. life kind of thing. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, but I, I did have a lot of fun writing it. Um, I just, honestly, I just love to write. Um, okay. I just do it. Just, it's like the best thing you can do, even when it's going horribly and you're like, I don't know how to fix this. <laughs> um, why do you know? And you're like, cause, cause as a writer, you have to decide how much control your characters have. So sometimes mm. you're writing and you're like, okay, you're like, okay, we're going to go this direction. We've got the plot. We've written out the plot. We know where the story's going to go. And your character's like, nope, going to go that way. And you have to decide how much control you're going to give them because sometimes them going off that direction is the best thing. Right. Most of the time it's not. And most of the time Mm. you have to be like, no, no, come back. Sure. But that, let me go off on that direction can be like the best feeling in the world of you're just like, I don't know what's happening anymore. And you're just typing like mad. So it's, it's euphoric. So that was a question I was going to ask you, because uh, I also want to ask you about your other uh, two two books there as well. Um, but I did want to ask, like, um, in terms of your process, uh, and I don't like using that word much anymore, uh, just because it's been weaponized. <laughs> uh, but in terms of your process, for lack of a better term, because again, not the literary one, um, do you start with a character do you start with a scene a series of scenes do you start with a plot do you have an outline like how how much because you you just talked about like the tension that exists between so that tells me that you you do have a plot in mind mm-hmm. like how written in your head is the story and how similar to that does your story become like how do you how do you do this because i different people have different ways it depends on the story, honestly. Really? Okay. Yeah. So I'm, um, 
Uh, probably another two months. I'll have a collection of short stories that'll be out called um, Tiny Gateways. The reason I don't have um, the date is because I had thought I was done with it, sent it out to my beta readers, mm -hmm. and my beta readers came back with um, some edits for two of the stories that basically I have now completely rewritten. Because they so, needed more fish food or like yeah. they needed different tanks. They needed you know, different tanks. Yeah. Right. The, the you can't have beta readers next to each other because they'll. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. Um, but, and it, the, those stories I had hardcore plotted out. Um, okay. And I probably didn't let them breathe enough because mm. when I saw their comments, I was like, oh, oh, yeah, that is a problem. Oh, wait, I can fix that. Um, and just by kind of allowing the characters to breathe a little bit more, I was like, mm -hmm. oh, this is so much better. Um, so it really depends on the story. And then I have um, a wild, um, a, a weird Western um, in that one. It's all the stories are about our portal stories. Um, that's okay. why it's tiny gateways. So tiny it's gateways. either people have fallen, fall into a portal and either want to get back out or they're like, I want to stay here. This is the best thing ever. Um, and can I pause you real quick yeah. right there? Did you growing up? Cause you and I are, are roughly the same age, I believe. Um, we are. And, okay. Um, growing up, I, there was a TV show of two guys, uh, wearing jumpsuit type things. I barely remember this and they would go into basically a Stargate, but it was long before Stargate. This is back when like Buck Rogers in the 24th century was on. I watched Buck Rogers. Okay. So it was a, it was contemporaneous with that. And I don't know what it is. Um, and Ed would remember cause he's older than me. Um, but, uh, they, they would go into portals and I think they would end up in other worlds. And, and I assume that like you watch sliders growing up or whatnot. Oh yeah. I yeah. watch sliders. Yeah. Um, so man, no one's yeah. referenced sliders in years. Really? Yeah. Oh, man, I was just talking the other day about how I wanted like little hamburgers. Um, <laughs> Uh, I mean, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle should be a Sliders episode. Oh, yeah, that would mm -hmm. be good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a little hollow in the middle, but that's OK. Uh, <laughs> My Lord. <laughs> I, I get this a lot. <laughs> um, so did did those things influence your your idea on this portal story? No, I just always wanted to go into a portal. Oh, OK. There, yeah, there you go. I always wanted to go to Oz. I was always wanted to go to Narnia. Yeah. Gotcha. Little Faye comes up and offers you soup. You're like, yes, please. Why? Yes. Oh yeah. Why yeah. wouldn't you? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Always. Yeah. Always, you know, opening up the front door being like, I got to go to work. Nope. I definitely don't still have to go to work. There was not oh. a magic little entrance there. Okay. <laughs> um, so, so you just always but, like that idea. Okay. So oh, I love that these, idea. These oh, portal, portal stories. Yeah, yeah. Portal stories. And then, but my weird Western, which honestly is probably the strongest of all of the stories. Mm -hmm. um, and the one that my beta readers are like, this is the best story ever. We want more of this character. Oh. Um, I, that one, I had an idea for it and it went completely off the rail and it was fantastic. Because uh, there's a Western. Right? So, right? Yeah. And there's a train. Yeah. Oh, there's a train. Nice. Yeah. Nice. That was yeah. good. Yeah. I'm See, learning. I know my Western genres. So, you know, because <laughs> right? I like samurai films. Uh, so, so, but okay. I've also, um, I've also struggled writing stories that I don't know the ending for. Um, and I've gone off mm -hmm. on crazy tangents because I let the characters do that. So it's always, you always just have to try to find this balancing act of having a plot, but letting mm -hmm. your characters breathe enough to where they can break the plot if they want to. That seems remarkably holistic. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's not one thing driving the other more or less, and that they're all kind of, I don't know, it almost feels like that, that, um, that picture that, that you see in the Avengers movie of, of Jarvis is his intelligence, how it's all oh. just kind of intermeshing yeah. and constantly in motion, you know? And yeah, that's, that's cool. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't do anything like you do, but I, I translate Latin. That was the other poem that I really liked. There's a wonderful poem about like, you will dine well if you bring, and then he just says like, bring all the food, like bring all the cool stuff because I'm poor. And if you do that, and then there's some question as to whether, it depends if you read it with George Takei's voice or not. Um, But if you read it with George Takei's voice, it's clearly about, and I will give you my girlfriend's underwear to sniff. If it's not with George Takei's voice, it's here's this wonderful perfume that the gods gave my girlfriend. And it's a very funny poem because Latin word order is such that you can like stack it at the end. So it's like, it's, it's, it's almost like Pauly Shore is reading it with like, you know, anticipation, you know, and you can do that through the whole thing. So it's, yeah. just, it's, it's a fun. So that's the fourth poem. Um, but when I translate, I tell my students all the time, okay, I want you to highlight all the nouns this way, highlight all the verbs mm-hmm. this way, all the gerunds this way, all this, da, 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 da. And then once you get all your parsing done, then you can start doing your translation because that'll start informing your translation better. And the dirty little secret is if I get them doing that, they get really good at it to the point where it becomes second nature. And then when they're translating, it just feeds into the translation and the translation Mm. feeds into the parsing. Yes. And so it becomes, my hope is it becomes that Jarvis type thing. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's cool to hear an author actually has that as, you know, I, I don't know if that's a process then, is it? It's, it's just. It just is. Yeah, it just is. Um, And it's, it's creativity. And if you try to try to be too rigid about creativity, it doesn't work anymore. (laughs) You're not being creative, right? Right, (laughs) right. Exactly. (laughs) You're being too rigid. It's not correct. (laughs) Right. Wow. I feel like I'm talking to an ex-girlfriend now. Uh, (laughs) She told me once that you could see a sunset and you'd be categorizing where it ranks in top five sunsets that you've seen. And I'm like, well, that's true. <laughs> so, <laughs> I got nothing. Uh, but okay. So uh, do, how do you come up with the idea of, 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 the... I don't have a problem with ideas. Okay. They just constantly just come at me just okay. constantly. I actually keep on my um, phone. I keep a Google uh, docs up uh-huh. and then uh-huh. as they come to me, I'll just try to like write it out. Um, sometimes it's, an image, sometimes it's a character, sometimes it's a line or a scene. Mm-hmm. Um, it just comes to me. Oh, that's um, so interesting. Because mm-hmm. comedians, it's, it's, there's very often, some of them will come up with a punchline first. Mm-hmm. Some of them will come up with a premise and some of them, you know, just various things, you know, that kind of thing. And we all kind of keep a, a, a document on our phone. Exactly. To, to do the same. Yeah. Okay. I mean, Stephen King said in his book on writing, and I'm, I'm going to butcher the quote, um, but basically you have to teach your brain to misbehave as a writer. So hmm. you have to teach your brain to, as you walk by a bush to be like, is there something in that bush? What if there is something in that bush? What would be in that bush? Would it be a fairy? Would it be an alien? Would it be a dead body? Would it be a zombie? Um, and then like, oh my God, there was like a crackle in that bush. Um, you'd have to teach your brain to do that constantly to get ideas. And then it's also really frightening too. You know, you scare yourself all, yeah, you scare yourself all the time. Yeah. Well, especially given what you, what you write, speaking of which that's a great segue into your next novel, uh, River City Widows. 
River City Widows, which, which is based in Sacramento. I was going to say, and and I, for the longest time, thought it was River City Windows. I know, everybody yeah. does. Okay, well, it doesn't help that the uh, cover, you know, has, you know, it, it certainly bespeaks the idea of, of windows. Um, so, but, okay, so River, River City Widows, uh, it seems a lot, I have not read this one at all, even though it's the most Sacramento. So, first of all, um, it's it's been called a horror horror novel or it, it, it certainly seems like one but i've also seen it called a paranormal mystery romance right which i'm like okay that's that seems pretty niche but i bet you that there's still subgenres of that oh yeah there so is yeah. so i i wouldn't horror to me mm -hmm. is like blood and gore and um you know people mm. are dying everywhere Oh, this is more okay. kind of paranormal of like there's ghosts um and it's mm -hmm. it's frightening mm -hmm. um and yes there's stakes but i never made it go to the point where people's lives were at risk um, okay. people are legitimately like scared that they, they, they do get a little bit hurt but um mm -hmm. i never took it to the point where people thought they were gonna die okay um, despite the name being widows <laughs> yes yeah Yes. Well, it's okay. about a widow who okay. finds out that her, the previous owner of her house was also a widow. So oh, it's about okay. both of their stories. Neat. Okay. Mm -hmm. So generational did, so you obviously you lived up here for a while. I did. Yes. Um, so how much, uh, how Sacramento is this book? It's very Sacramento. Okay. Um, I actually based it on, um, I went and saw a friend in Isaac and mm -hmm. I actually based the house kind of on her house. Oh, neat. Um, and so she, the main character, she lives in Isaac. They go to the Sacramento zoo. They go to fairytale town. They go to Folsom Lake. Um, I, I brought in as much from Sacramento as I possibly could without getting into trouble by, with any businesses. Oh, wow. Oh yeah. I guess you could so instead of Cordy Brothers, it's like, you know, Torty <laughs> sisters. Is Cordy Brothers still around? Yeah, yeah, it is. Wow. Specialized meats uh, apparently are pandemic proof. Um, wow. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man, I remember going um, to Cordy Brothers mm -hmm. and getting a cookie. I guess they gave us free cookies. Oh, nice. This is this is as a child. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I was yep. like, that's, that's little odd to do that like as an adult like I, I go to taylor's market if i want a really good cookie but right yeah yeah, yeah so. no no this okay. was i just remember cordy brothers and cookies and like i like the taste in my mouth i remember sure because it was like a sugar cookie right right yeah and still have the smell of you know specialized meats in the air uh, <laughs> i don't remember them having specialized meat no well they they uh, my friends who love sandwiches like meaty meaty sandwiches uh, they they brag all the time about Cordy Brothers, um, and I might be mixing it up with another place that um, there's a sign that it says you read the book now eat the cast, and it was they were selling rabbit, oh. um, and they mentioned Watership Down, which I thought was pretty fun. fun. Yeah. So all right, so you you write a book. It's not about Dorothea Puente. No, it's um, not. Okay, so <laughs> this story's got bones too, um, but uh, so um paranormal mystery romance makes sense widow in a, in a different thing yeah trying to um, figure out why her house is haunted mm -hmm. yeah okay and so how to put this um 
when did this one pop into your head and how long did you let it percolate before you read it? Cause you, you, you clearly wrote it once you got down to Southern California. I did. Yeah. Okay. So oddly enough, I was visiting my friend in East Sacramento and we were chit chatting and she said, Oh, my, um, talking about her next door neighbor and her next door neighbor had a granny unit on the, on the property. And she just Mm -hmm. rented it to a guy. And she was like, and you know, and she was basically like, you know, I think they're, you know, they might be getting together. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, that'd be a fun story. I said, I should add ghosts to it. And that's, that's where it came from. Wow. That's wild. So friend of the show, um, uh, Tim Watts, uh, he did his graphic novel here um, and it's called Republic. Um, Mm. and it's already funded and it's already publishing and stuff like that. It's really cool. And if you look like one of the first uh, pages, I forget what it's called. It's not a splash page, but it's like, it's a, it's a panel page. So on a, on a comic book takes up both, both pages and it's, and it's an overview of this post-apocalyptic city. It's clearly the, you know, Sac river and the gold bridge and old sack. And oh, then he gets, wow. you know, it's so very clearly that. And so I asked him, I was like, did you, and he's like, oh yeah, I took a camera and I just spent a day downtown, you know, cause his <laughs> is a visual cool. medium too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So how long did that one take you to, uh, to six months? Out? That was okay. fast. Yeah. That one was fast. Okay. And that's, yeah. that's from putting the paper in the typewriter to getting it published yes, in the typewriter. Yes. Um, to getting it published, getting mm-hmm. it through editing and everything else was probably more like not yeah, to nine months, probably. Wow. Okay. Yeah. But the writing itself, the writing, the writing itself okay. was pretty fast. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And um, did you publish it through the same group? I did through No Bad Books okay. Press. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And then that brings us to uh, Lost Aboard, mm-hmm. which again, my brain went lost abroad. So <laughs> you must see words weird. I, well, you know, I pun all the time. Yeah. And I wonder if the two things are not related in some it, way. It might be. It might yeah, be. I see words as very mobile things and uh, I can use that's them. That's the Latin, you? Yeah. Also yeah. that, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, they, uh, so you, you, this was your collaborative piece. It was my collaborative one. Yep. Um, with S facts. And, and I didn't bother to look for S's uh, first name. Sarah. Be- oh, Okay. Because I figured if she didn't want us to know it, then we shouldn't know it. But you know her, so there you go. So that's an interesting thing that she decided to do. And a lot of female, you know, we'll go off on a tangent, um, as we keep doing. Like, yeah, I, this is this is yeah. how we fill time. It is, yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of female writers will mm-hmm. use their first initial or their first and their middle initial. Yes. Be, for marketing purposes. Right. Um, especially if they write um, uh, fantasy or horror or sci-fi or something like that, because, mm-hmm. you know, they want, they want to, you know, their books to help sell. My opinion, I said, fuck that. And right. the only way we as women are going to fight that is to say, I am a female author and I wrote horror and sci-fi and fantasy. Mm-hmm. That's the only way we're going to fix that. Yeah, that you Cicero wrote um, it. Um, they told him he should change his name when he got to Rome to a great name. And he says, no, I'm going to make my own name. Great. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, exactly. So, but anyway, going back. So yeah, lost, sure. lost aboard is creative nonfiction about the ghosts that are aboard star of India. Star of India is um, this tall ship in the San Diego Harbor. It mm-hmm. looks like a pirate ship. It truly just looks like a pirate ship and it is so incredibly haunted. It, it's where we got the term Clippers for the basketball team, correct? 
I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, yeah, I I've seen that thing. I have family in San Diego. Um, and so I've seen, I've seen that thing. Um, it's kind of, it's akin to, but it's hella tall. You're right. It's, it's a, yeah, that is, yeah. it's, is called a tall ship. Yeah. Um, cause I was thinking in, in the Bay area in San Francisco, there's a, one called the CA Thayer, which is a clipper ship, mm-hmm. um, uh, much smaller, but it's, you know, it's part of national parks, et cetera, or state parks. Everyone's uh, trying to save these boats cause they're, they're incredible. Yeah. They're amazing. Um, yeah. So I, we, we did a, a, a school field trip to stay the night on it and we had to be the crew. So all kinds of fun for a fourth grader. Yeah. So, okay. So you, you saw again, very locationally based. I, I got asked was warehouse dreams. Were you walking through the meatpacking district of Oakland or something or no, I based that one in Chicago and oh. here's, I, so I just, I wanted an urban, I wanted it to just be a straight urban mm. winter place. Okay. Um, and so I just kind of That'll do it. S- stuck a pin in the map. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Did you, did you go there to do any research on the place or did you look at a Google little Maps bit, a Um, not to do research, but I've, I've been to Chicago. Okay. Um, so yeah, this is an interesting theme that kind of winds through is that, and maybe it's cause that's what I'm focused on, but also I'm noticing the, you know, the locations are iconic in, in some way, shape or form and they're real places. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I try. Yeah. So, okay. So you, how do you divide the work with another author? Do you go chapter by chapter, like Fox and the Hound felt like, or, and that was just one author, by the way. Yeah. Um, Wow. Um, What we did. I I, I have these really weird, deep eddies that like, like I will know. That was deep. Yeah. But, you know. Next next thing we know, we got Black Cauldron coming up. I mean. Right. Yeah. You know, but you know, you ask me who wrote Dune. I'm like, I don't know. It starts with an H. Ed told me once. So, okay. So, um, anyways, okay. Coming back. I don't remember the question. <laughs> Will we always be best friends forever, Copper? Yeah. No. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. Yes. Okay. So how, how Sarah how and I divide the work? Yeah. So, what we did was we, um, we each took a, we each took a section, um, mm-hmm. wrote it out, and then we switched and then we edited it. The only caveat to that was that there were some nautical terms that I was like, I don't know what this means at all because mm. I, I read the log books. Um, I had oh, over neat. there. Um, yeah, I read the log books and well, copies of them, not the literal ones. Right. Right. And some of the stuff I'm like, you had, you did what to the jibloon? I, I, <laughs> and I'm like, I can't even visualize that. Sure. Um, like I don't even know what part of the ship that would be. Right. Um, so because Sarah worked for the Maritime Museum for so many years, she knew those terms oh. left, right, and center. So she was sure. able to be like, no, no, I know exactly what they're talking about. Or port starboard and main. Right. Yeah. 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 So okay. So so how well did it hang together though? I mean, did were were you both involved in I, I assume you were both involved in the initial discussion of like, here's what we want to do, here's where we want yeah. it to go. I'll take it to here and you take it from there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And then the other thing too, is you have to, um, a, you have to take your ego out of the equation. Um, you have yeah. to, you have to just, anytime that you're like, Hey, wait a minute. You have yeah. to be like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. Okay. I'm going to take a deep breath. Here. <laughs> I'm going to go edit this part out. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> I, I really like the idea of that. My favorite part out of it. Take your favorite part out. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's not appropriate. Um, I, I kind of like that as a as, as a premise of of a story, though. Like a Stranger Than Fiction Part Two, where she's writing with someone else and they have a vendetta against each other, and so the oh, that would... person they're writing about their life is just really uneven in parts and. 
Okay, that'd be a funny book. That would be. That would actually, that's actually a really good idea. And then you actually do a, you have, you have a multi-layer story where you've got the story itself and then you've Mm -hmm. got the author's lives underneath that. Yeah. It'd be like big dog, little dog. You could like bring that into it, you know? Yeah. Both sitting there pantless in uncomfortably short green and red shirts. So yeah, not, not the direction I was going, but you know, you know, it, it can be edited out. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I don't have my ego in this, but, <laughs> but I could absolutely see them like, like doing some, like, like really messing with Harold Crick or whoever the next character is. And just, you know, he has a lot of near death experiences or he's a spy, <laughs> like to writing a spy novel together yeah, and not realizing that it's a real person. So I will tell you too, I'm actually mm-hmm. working on another book, not with um, Sarah, but with two other authors. Um, we two have more. it. Okay. Yeah. So it's the three of us are writing, are right, the three of us, I did four there. The That's three right. of us are writing a book about fairies in space. It is tentatively, and this will not be the title, anybody trying to sue us, it is tentatively titled The Love Cruise because we thought that was funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about fairies going on a cruise into space to try to find true love. And it is a murder mystery because then they all start dying. Okay. Um, and so we're doing the same thing. Each of us have a character. Murder on the Orion Express. Something like that, yeah. yeah. That would be a good one. <laughs> So the way we're doing that, each of us have a character and then we're writing each, we're writing a chapter from the character's point of view, but we've plotted Mm. it out so that each chapter pushes the plot forward. So we're like, this is what needs to happen in this chapter um, in order so the next person can then take over the narrative. Wow. Okay. So that one's going to be interesting. That reminds me a lot of how Star Wars books, again, the only knowledge I have on fiction, um, which I still maintain, I don't know that it's fiction. It was ancient history and geography happened yeah, a long time ago it's, it's totally ancient i mean that's how yeah. it starts a long exactly. time ago in a galaxy far far away See, i knew you'd understand of course i understand uh, but uh what do you call it um where uh they there they have there's a 19 book series in the star wars books that i swear i'm the only person who ever who's ever admitted liking them um the the, the arc is wonderful and all that and most people hate it it's the yuzhan vong invasion arc and all these authors are sitting at this round table saying, okay, so I, I have this stories and they're like, we need you to get the character from here to here. Mm-hmm. We need you to do this. And, and it feels very much like a booking meeting and wrestling. Quite honestly, you have four minutes, you need to get yes. this spot in, you need to get this emotion conveyed, and then you need to have this finish. Mm-hmm. How you get there is up to you, you know, and, and on and on and on. So it's, it's kind of cool to see that these, these are very clearly they're things that work they work in mm-hmm. other media so it's it's interesting yeah. to see it you know being done out in real time so so it's just a single book that the three of you are writing though it's a single book because i'm not sure we'll we'll well we'll see we'll see where this one goes okay um and yeah um we're very much still in the rough rough draft um okay. area so, of it but it's fun i bet i bet Okay, so I want to go back to Lost uh, Aboard. Mm-hmm. Um, creative nonfiction. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you to unpack that term for okay. me. Okay, yeah. so creative nonfiction means that we have taken the true historical events, the true historical lives of the people, mm-hmm. and we s- embellished them and imagined what it would be like. So created dialogue and created mm-hmm. movement and actions that they may not have actually done, but we sure. just imagined them doing it. How does that differ from historical fiction? Because um, 
we're not sure that well it is it is pretty similar well okay. is it I the supernatural say, aspect of it no because okay. with historical fiction these these were like legit real people it's not like oh right. george washington george washington you know hamilton right that's historical fiction um they took fic, but... <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. yeah fair enough i love it but it's fanfic oh, of course like, yeah james madison didn't look like me size-wise he was five foot four and 105 yeah. pounds yeah. yeah no i i give you um you, you could act so because mm -hmm. that was really really embellished mm -hmm. it's historical fiction it really is okay. creative nonfiction means we tried to keep it as close to the original as we could okay um and we did a lot of research to try to make sure that we were as historically accurate as possible okay that makes that makes some sense. Yeah. And then the other thing, the nonfiction piece with it as well, was that we interviewed cast and crew and the volunteers. Mm -hmm. And then we imagined what uh, what actually happened to them. And again, we, we kind of embellished it a little bit. Okay. So we had a story uh, from a docent. And the only, the only story we had from her was that um, she had reports of people um, down below who had S's traced on their backs. And so they assumed that that was Johnny. Johnny's one of the tricksters. Johnny's a trickster um, and seems to be very intelligent and aware that he's dead. And he likes to mess with um, to mess with people. And that was the only story we had. So, but we what we did was we took that story of a docent that, you know, it was a nice sunny day and she was sitting there waiting to answer questions. And then she saw this couple come running up that appeared to be frightened. And so she asked them what happened. And then they were like, nothing happened. And she's like, no, you have to tell them. And, mm -hmm. you know, it, that that's the creative nonfiction piece is that it happened, but we stretched. Okay. Okay, so this is gonna indulge me here because I'm still trying to parse the the difference between that and historical fiction. Um, I don't think the idea that I have of Caesar was in Gaul fighting zombies is historical fiction. No, that would be creative nonfiction though. If I kept it, <laughs> no, did I mix it up? Yeah, like, I think you did. Damn it. Okay, because I'm like, okay, if I keep everything as true to the culture as possible and add zombies, right. Assuming and really that, just yeah. just substitute zombies for certain characters yeah no that's you're, you're at historical fiction that's historical fiction yeah because okay unless you are positive that zombies happen and you can prove it i, then you, I mean then you might be able to stretch it out to create he never lets the germani speak in in anything but the subjunctive and that's an unreal oh. mood so well, they're not really humans well but, okay all right so alternative so like, history yeah yeah that's the wonderful thing about ancient history uh it's all made up anyway um but um okay so okay i think i get that so like if i was gonna like do a detective novel but set mm -hmm. in a very real historical time that would be historical fiction because that yes. character didn't exist correct but he interacts with characters who did exist yes because i'm thinking yes, just that would still be that was yeah, yeah. That, that's historical fiction okay cool yeah awesome so how fun was that to write? I mean, that, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. We did a lot of research too. Um, I loved, it's so cool to like talk to people that have had these paranormal experiences because they can't explain it. So they're just like, I don't know. It was like this weird feeling and, you know, it mm -hmm. creeped me out. And, you know, we heard, you know, the, per the person that heard um, footsteps running up and down the deck and mm -hmm. then they would go to try to find it. And then the footsteps would almost basically like spring over them and then be in a totally different part of the ship. 
um, like they can't explain it. And so then they're trying to, they're trying to use logic to explain it when it's really an emotional event. I mean, meeting a, meeting a ghost is an emotional event. Okay. Um, You're using, if you believe in that, you're using sense, you're not using your five senses, you're using other senses. Sure. But you're talking to a guy who doesn't, you're talking to a guy who doesn't get poetry. So the odds of me, you know, (laughs) being able to hang with the ghost thing, but I I get what you're saying there too. Like there's definitely more than five senses. There are. Um, Yeah. So, okay. So um, to, to shift kind of, kind of to head toward wrapping this up, because I do have people who are aspiring writers who do listen to this podcast fairly regularly. Um, The current media landscape in, in that there are so many devices, so many sites, so many, it feels like it's, it's incredibly democratized. Yeah. And at the same time, it's overly democratized, democratized, whatever yeah, that word is. to the point yeah. where it's impossible for anybody to get in, anybody yes. to get in because everybody's at the entrances now. Yes. Even though the entrances are, are almost infinite because of that, you, you have far less. Um, is there uh, an impact that you felt that that has had on your, ability to be a successful author in that now there are more than one way to do it because i mean there's the convention circuit i'm sure you work that Um, very much yeah is that uh ultimately a help or is that uh well this is the next step the okay i'm gonna go does that matter Let let me also ask this um and i recognize that it's like a five level question but um but also um does that matter to the fact that you are a woman doing this? Wow, that's a lot of a lot of a lot of different questions to yeah. To answer fifty there. words or less. Okay, fifty oh, words no. or less. There we go. <laughs> okay, so how? Yeah. So you were right. the 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 field has definitely been leveled in that all you have to do to be a published author is click publish on KDP, Amazon, or any mm-hmm. of the other ones. Right. The Amazon's kind of the easiest one. It's sure. uh, the most popular uh, by far. How has that now that how has that changed kind of my ability to write and get out there and everything else? You have to spend so much bloody time marketing. It's ridiculous. Mm. So much time marketing because you are right. So many people are at that that starting point. Mm-hmm. There's a really good group um, out there. It's called um, 20 Books to 50K because you're not going to make a living until you have a good 20 to 30 books and maybe not even then. Wow. Uh, because it's so easy to publish now. It's flooded the channel yes. so that nothing stands out because everything is covered. Everything the is there. Yep. And um, because again, it is so easy just to click publish. Right. The, there are some quality issues now as well. Um, oh, sure. And what that unfortunately has done is that there are plenty of people out there who want to read. And there are plenty of people out there who, you know, enjoy reading the B and the C level stuff. Sure. But if you give them kind of the, the F stuff, mm-hmm. they might be more like, eh, I didn't really enjoy that book. I'm good. I don't want to read anymore. Mm. So, you know, we, we need to raise the quality up of this um, yeah. and put some quality controls in place. That's um, so similar to comedy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's a really good analogy. Um, okay. The woman thing. So yeah. 
a lot of this is genre based. So 75% of, and I, and I actually just looked this up, 75% of the authors out there are women. Right. Um, but your best sellers are still the same four the, men, the same four men. Right. And that's the public, the publishing houses have done that. So the big four publishing houses, mm -hmm. they have, they are banking their money on, you know, the top 20 authors, you know, you've mm -hmm. got Stephen King, Dean Koontz, um, Grisham, uh, you know, and they're not all men. You know, you got Nora right. Roberts. Um, uh, I mean, we, we all know the names, uh, Daniel Steele, all, all right. of them. Right. Um, and in doing that, they're, they're pushing all of their marketing money towards those authors, mm -hmm. which leaves it, makes it much harder for other authors to be found. And again, you're at that level playing field. Um, so it, it feels like that's kind of a perversion of the studio system of Hollywood for mm, the longest time, where uh -huh. it was like, we've got these stars, but what they then did was, so then we'll get to make art movies and not have to worry about taking losses, mm -hmm. but that doesn't exist anymore. You've got these stars and maybe if you want to do something on the indie circuit, you can. Yeah. And then, oh. and you may end up, and this, this happens with authors too. Mm -hmm. They end up spending all of their money, like, like in Hollywood, um, mm -hmm. trying to do a quality book, you know, pay that money for that cover, pay the money for the editor, pay the money for the proofreader, for the formatting, and then start paying for advertising and not be able to even, not even close to break even. Right. Um, and that can be very, very disheartening for writers too, because they're like, I just oh, yeah. wanted to write. You know, they, they just wanted that moment in love actually with Colin Firth, you know, he's sitting there by the lake sure, writing yeah. and, you know, he's got the beautiful woman that brings him snacks and takes off her dress to go jump in the water. And right. that's what authors want. I mean, they just want to sure. sit by the lake and have beautiful people and bring them snacks. Right. And then use their power relationship with them to convince them to marry them, despite not knowing any of the same languages. I knew I shouldn't have brought up love actually. <laughs> I well, knew I mean, better. I knew better. There was that voice in my head that was like, don't do that. Don't, don't even go. Well, it, I mean, the, the title is, is love splaining. Like, I know. It's, I know. But it's no, I get that, what you mean. That, yeah. And that scene is not as bad as the, the stalker oh. one. Yeah. God dang. That, there are so many problems. That's a movie that did not age well. No, no. Um, With modern sensibilities. No, no. no. And yeah. It's, <laughs> So, okay. So when, when do you think you're going to break even as an author? Oh, I don't even know. <laughs> um, actually, because I've, because of no bad books and because I've started taking on editing stuff mm -hmm. that I'm doing well on the, okay. um, the book selling part, it's still, uh, you know, trying to get out there and be like, please buy my books. Right. Um, it's hard. That's the, that's the comedy circuit too. Like mm -hmm. the most successful comedians financially are the ones who are producing. Right but they're not the most talented comics that are out there going out there. They're not passing at the clubs mm -hmm. They're They are putting on shows where the people who pass at the clubs do their show. Right. And they make money off of that, but it's right. Wow. So it's the behind the scenes stuff, mm -hmm. which I actually love. I love sure. it. I never thought I would. I love editing. I love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that's cool. It's I love sitting there and talking with authors and when I'm like, so, you know, I noticed this one thing and they're like, oh, that's a really good point. Wait, what if I dot, 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 and their eyes and their face just light up. And mm -hmm. it's, it's so, it's so great. It's so incredible to give that. Oh to yeah. Them. That's, that's a wonderful feeling. Like I, 
I love booking people and having faith in them and then seeing them just shine on stage. Yeah. So it's, that's cool. Okay. So, uh, sadly you got to keep your day job. Um, but, um, but at the same time, you're still doing the thing that you love Still doing it. I, I, yeah. I mean, I'm exhausted, but sure. Yes. Yeah. Does it help that the, the, the nest is uh, a bit emptier now that very the boys much are so. adult? Okay. Yeah, very, very much. So I don't think I could, I don't think I could keep this level of work up without yeah. that. That's why my comedy careers, I'm going to tell myself that's why my comedy career is stalled. Uh, so, uh, so then, okay, then what's next for you? Like you've what? got the little portals book. Yep. I've got, um, tiny gateways. Tiny gateways. Um, we've got four and a half billion people, which I didn't write, but I edited four and a half billion people is coming out, um, uh, June 15th. Wonderful, wonderful book about mm-hmm. a family that's reeling when their oldest son is accused of um, mowing down the mayor's husband, 1978. And as it turns out, the son is neurodivergent and has, mm-hmm. I'm going to mispronounce this synesthesia. Mm-hmm. Um, and so much of that book is written from his perspective and it's beautifully written. Um, I've had a couple of teachers read it that are like, I'm going to give this book to special ed teachers. Nice. Um, yeah, it's a fantastic book. So that's what your publishing group is coming out. That's with what next? my publishing group okay. is coming out with. Yep. But that's not yeah. your, I just edited it. I didn't okay. write it. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, but dang, that's, so that's twice. You've got a very unreal, reliable, uh, character mm-hmm. that's guiding us through. I love unreliable characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, any any so another tip of any writers out there. Yeah, any first person characters are always liars, always. Okay. And the fun is deciding when and where and how. Yep. Cool. Okay. What about you? Do you have another book in the hopper? Or do you have another idea of brewing besides so, obviously the one that I just gave you that you can? Yes. I yes, only want five percent for that. You know. Oh, that's fine. I'll give you yeah. that. That's fine. You got it. Um, by binding contract. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, hey, we have, am, we have dozens of witnesses. We do. To this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I never intended for warehouse dreams to have a sequel. Um, but I've had so many requests for it and I have written it now twice and I still hate it. Um, so I'm giving it, I was giving it six months to just really cool, cool down. And then I'm going to try again with it Uh, because I've got some really good ideas and I know where I want it to go. I just can't get the middle figured out. Um, so that's kind of my next big thing. And then I've got several editing projects too, and that's taking up a lot of time. So, yeah. So, uh, do you have a title for the, the sequel or no? No. Okay. Um, our joke when I did, um, uh, river city widows and I uh-huh. talked about it on my um, podcast, we called it Sacramento ghost house romance. <laughs> I'm so bad with titles. I love it. Okay. So where, <laughs> warehouse dreams, you, obviously there's warehouse nightmares. There's warehouse daydreams, warehouse, mm-hmm. uh, night terrors, warehouse, wedding the bed, um, <laughs> warehouse, sleepwalking. Um, or we could just make it another kind of house, storehouse dreams, storehouse. Yeah. Storehouse um, dreams, mansion yeah. dreams, mansion dreams, whorehouse dreams, whorehouse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. cat house, obviously, if you want it more classy, uh, so, uh, the, the Dorothea Puente house dreams, I, think, I will you know. let you just keep on going. Yeah. It's, it's got bones. Uh, but, uh, cool. Well, geez, I, I, I look forward to just hearing about 
about that. So yeah. uh, tell you what, uh, normally we tell everybody where they can find us and what have you, but everybody knows that the first Friday of every month, my show Capital Punishment is at Luna's in Sacramento for $10, you got to be fully vaxxed. So I'm not going to bother telling them that, but I would love you to uh, close the show by uh, telling us, uh, plugging any and all the things that you want to plug, your podcast, your books, your publishing house, the, the your favorite books, that kind of thing. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. So um, any and all. I've talked about all of my books, but we've got mm -hmm. Warehouse Dreams, we've got River City Widows, we've got Lost Aboard, and we have a wonderful anthology called Released. Mm -hmm. Um. For my podcast, my podcast is the Semi-Sages of the Pages, um, really fun podcast by writers for writers. And the reason mm -hmm. that we are the Semi-Sages is because You're we are still drivers. learning. <laughs> oh my oh, God. Okay. <laughs> yes, we are all truck drivers. Right. <laughs> and then my publishing house is No Bad Books Press. Um, so you can come check us out if you're interested in being published and all of this stuff and more is under my website, which is www.teresahauthor.com. Okay. And that is Teresa with an H. So T-H-E-R-E-S-A. And then an H after that. And then an H after that. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And that's where you'd prefer we buy your books from. Um, I don't care. As long as you buy them, I don't care. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Excellent. Well, uh, for the absent uh, Ed... Laylock uh, and a geek history of time. I want to thank you very much, Teresa Halverson, for being on our show. Um, I, I love talking uh, about things that I don't know anything about. Um, and you certainly have done that today. So, <laughs> well, thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. Awesome. So, thank you very much. And uh, to everybody out there, uh, Geek Timers, uh, Damien Harmony signing off for Ed Blaylock. And as he always says, always roll critical. I don't listen to him at the end, really. It's kind of. <laughs> Sad. <laughs> <laughs>